You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. And this week we're discussing episode five of season four of Orphan Black Human Raw Material. And while there will be spoilers about anything and everything that happened in that episode, we will not be talking about any spoilers for future episodes. That's kind of a creepy title. Especially for this episode, which is probably why they chose it. I'm sure. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. appropriate, but it's also unnerving. So how'd you feel about this episode, Chris? I've been enjoying the entire season. Me too. (laughs) I'm I'm into it. Me too. All this crazy, creepy stuff. (laughs) It kind of feels like... The writers got feedback from the fans like, we're, we weren't too thrilled that you brought in this whole new clone line last season. We really wish that we saw had more focus on our Lita clones. They're like, fine, Lita clones it is. All the Lita clones, all the time. <laughs> well, here's the and thing, I'm though, because I never felt like season three was... I, I never felt like the caster storyline was meant to necessarily be as prominent as it was for the rest of the series beyond season three Mm -hmm. because you know every season has its own sort of major storyline right major obstacle right like season two was the farming proletheans etc yeah exactly season one was helena (laughs) and tomas yeah Mm -hmm. but at the same time i i just i am really loving all of the different combinations of characters that they're getting willing to do in this fourth season because we have all these characters set up you know they have their common scene partners like Kasima has scott and she used to have delphine here you know sarah has felix and mrs s and she's actually stayed a little more true to her usual scene partners this season but i feel like with the other characters they're willing to try out these different pairings and it's been a lot of fun for me me too i they really are focusing on this sort of expanded family kind of thing this season, and right. I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. I will add, though, they, they've paired up Mrs. S at least a couple times now with Ferdinand, which I think is an interesting dynamic. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't here to talk about last week's episode, but I did really enjoy when she went over to defuse the bomb under his chair. Like, that was that was fun times. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, you knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah. Oh, a bomb. Somebody call Mrs. S. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How did you feel about the episode? Oh, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And I I thought there was some really interesting meaty, or I don't eat meat, tofu-y scenes about, about, like, the ethics of what they're doing in this episode. I, I liked it a whole bunch. I really did. Just generally, I've been liking this season. But I will say just ahead of time, because I was out of town last weekend, I actually didn't get a chance to watch episode four until today. So I watched it right before I watched episode five. So please forgive me if I confuse something that happened last week with happening this week. It just, it could happen as I'm, as the warning that I'm giving. Fair enough. Chris will correct me. (laughs) I will try. My brain is just a mess, though, these days. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. But let's talk about Sarah. Poor, poor Sarah in this episode. I was happy, though, that at first I thought it was like a dream sequence or like three months ago when we got to see Sarah and Kira painting the mural on her bedroom wall. But I was really happy to see that Sarah was like taking the day to spend with her daughter. That made me really happy. Yes. I mean, this has been a concern for us. This whole season is this rift between Sarah and Kira. So it's really a relief that we're getting this now, especially, you know, 
midpoint of the season, I think it's time, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of comforting and reassuring, but it doesn't it doesn't last that long. <laughs> the comfort and reassurance because Sarah this episode is she's kind of she's surly and to pretty much everybody except Kira. Yes. Yeah. It's true. But at the same time like I think it's understandable from us as the audience perspective because I think finding this tech, you know, implanted in her jaw against her will. Like this is I think the most scared Sarah has been because it affects her so directly. Like obviously she's always been scared for Kira, scared for her other sisters, scared for Felix, etc. But I think having this thing in her over which she has no control, I think understandably is a very scary experience for her. Right. And it's kind of interesting because there was that conversation in the last episode about how you know, Sarah is strong enough to deal with all of this. But here we see, I'm not saying she's not strong enough to handle it, but Sarah's sort of frayed at the edges, I think, at this point, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, just this is completely tangential, but Mrs. S did Sarah's hair for this episode, right? Do you think so? The little side ponytail? Yeah, the, the side braid, which they did acknowledge is supposed to be a nod to Mrs. S. Mm. Oh, that's true. She does wear her hair like that from time to time, doesn't she? Yes, she does. And I, just because we're talking about Sarah's hair, I have to say I'm not loving the hairstyle that she's choosing this season. I know it's actually closer to what we originally saw her hair like back in episode one of season one, but I, I don't I don't love it. I wish she'd go back to more of the just free-flowing waviness that she had in seasons like one, two, and three, or more like two and three, post-Beth pretending period of her life perpetually windblown yes exactly exactly but th- she's doing this thing where it, it seems like it's like slicked down or pulled back over on the i think it's the right side of her head i find it distracting but that's just me fair enough but it it was this was a tough episode for me in regards to sarah because the tension in her relationship with Felix, I just, I just, I wanted when Mrs. S pulled them both aside into that room, I, I said to the screen, I was like, will you please knock their heads together, Mrs. S? They're both being huge brats. <laughs> just three stooge them. Yes, exactly. And I mean, she does call Felix out for when he throws food at Sarah. He's like, how old are you? I think she says to him. <laughs> but uh, it's so hard because I think... As an audience member, I think you can see it from both of their perspectives. Right. It's one of those things, neither of them is wrong, but neither of them is right. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, like, Sarah's being stubborn and a brat about the fact that Felix is going looking for his bi- biological family, which he has the right to do and she should be supportive of. But at the same time, it's like, it's not Sarah's fault that she connected with her biological family. Like, she didn't do that on purpose to make Felix feel left out. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just it's difficult to watch them be so at odds with each other. I was glad to see that he finally knows about the maggot bot, though, at least. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the thing, too, is Sarah has every reason at this point to be suspicious of new people in their lives. Mm-hmm. They've had enough random people popping in, who you know, not so randomly. So mm-hmm. you can't blame her for being suspicious. Yeah. And wanting to check. 
And when Felix just brought Adele to their safe house, like, yeah, he needed to have his head smacked upside. After specifically being told, that's the thing you don't do. (laughs) (laughs) Like, fine, get to know your sister, but please don't bring her here. Oh, by the way, I'm bringing her here. No, Felix, no, you're being a brat. (laughs) And I honestly, when we had that scene where... Sarah got the phone call from Scott. Hi, Scott. Joss Vokey. You're in the credits now. That makes me happy. He made me happy, too. Yeah, I think it I think it only happened last week. Was it? I don't know that he was in the credits the first time this season, but maybe I just missed it. Anyhow, I honestly don't know. (laughs) I usually pay attention, though. I like looking at the credits because it gives you a hint as to what actors are in the episode. But anyway, which is weird because you hate spoilery things. (laughs) You hate the previous Leon because it gives indication of what might happen. I am an enigma wrapped in a mystery. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, when Sarah got the phone call from Scott, and I I wasn't really surprised that Adele ended up being Felix's biological sister. At that point, I was like, she's wrong. Like, she's just wrong. But that doesn't mean I trust her. Even though we got that confirmation, (laughs) I'm still not sure if I trust Adele. I'm See, I'm a step more paranoid than you, and I'm like, that might be a false positive. <laughs> or or maybe because there I mean there's gene editing going on in this show. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The maggot bots apparently can alter DNA, so Well, and that's what I'm saying. Even though we got that confirmation from Josh Vokey's character, who I don't know why I didn't call him Scott, but I just called him Josh. Confirm that, you know, the DNA turned out okay, but I don't know that that means she's his sister, period, and B, that she is still trustworthy, even if she is his biological sister. Because motives, who knows? Mm -hmm. But I was, since we got Kira interacting with her in this episode, I was watching Kira's reaction to her very carefully. Kira seems to love her, so... I know, I know, but at first I was worried, because like when they first introduced Kira to Adele and vice versa, Kira had this look on her face like, hi. I was like, oh, Kira hates her. Do we not trust her? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Kira hated her. Kira just didn't know who the hell she was. I know. I was just hopeful, I guess. Oh, (laughs) I see how it is. But you're right. Like Ultimately, Kira really seems to like Adele, so now I'm more likely to trust her. And I did find Adele to be a more sympathetic character than she had been previously in this episode. Yeah, they did a good job of fleshing that out a little bit, as the show does. It was really sweet when, again, when Sarah got that upsetting phone call, and Sarah was clearly just, like, completely shredded by the news that she was wrong, or supposedly wrong about the fact that Adele wasn't really Felix's sister. And Kara, like, very sweetly gets up and asks Mrs. S, can we be excused? And takes her to her room, like, oh, Kara, I just, oh. I know. I hug you. It's another one of those, like, now which one is the mother? Yeah. <laughs> it's Kara. It's Kara. Kara's the mom. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was so sweet. Kira just kind of very maturely guiding Sarah out of the room, lovingly and maturely. Mm-hmm. And then they have that discussion because Sarah, the whole episode had been kind of trying to get Kira to open up about these dreams or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they're not dreams. Apparently Kira is empathic, I guess. Yeah, that's what it sounded like she was describing. So what does that mean, do we think? Mm. I don't know. I don't know, man. Because clearly from the beginning, 
They've been indicating something was a little bit different and special and unique about Kira. But previously, it seemed more... It it seemed more physical or presented Mm -hmm. that way in the earlier episodes because she gets hit by the car and seems to be fine. And also maybe a little bit of a prescient ability. Mm -hmm. Because even in, in the first episode of or excuse me, the second episode of the season where she's like, they're coming, and then they see the lights of the snowmobiles or whatever heading toward the vehicles, heading toward their house in Iceland. Like, So this this idea that she's empathic is interesting. It wasn't something I was expecting. Right. I just, I keep wondering about the implications of this, because she specifically mentioned the Lita clones. Mm-hmm. So I don't know... Because, I mean, this is something that we've all, always talked about, too, is that Kira, you know, if Kira trusts somebody, then we trust them. And if Kira doesn't, then we don't, right? Because right. that's how it, that's how things seem to have gone so far, which, you know, goes along perfectly with this idea that she's empathic. But if she's only empathic about the Lita clones, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, just, I, have, I have so many more questions now. <laughs> yeah. Though I think it is reasonable that if Kira is somewhat empathic, then she might be more attuned to people's intentions than the average person might be. Mm-hmm. Even if they aren't somebody she has a clear empathic link with, like the Lita clones, apparently. And there was that interesting comment, too, about the the ones she doesn't know or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not quite what she said. but And granted, she hasn't met all of the known Lita clones Right. Known she to us, the MK. audience. She hasn't meant Crystal. Or yeah. Tony, or, yeah. Or Tony, yeah. But still, I think there's an implication that there are even more out there, so. Mm-hmm. Which is not I surprising. Agree. Another adorable Kira moment. I liked it when, when Mrs. S had pulled, like, Sarah and Felix aside. She turns to Adele and says, they do this a lot. <laughs> <sighs> it's true. But I like that Kira seems to be getting more mature storylines this season it feels like she's a little bit less of just the kid who gets you know pushed from here to there and whatever and protected she seems to be coming more into herself as a person and a character yeah yeah we we talked about that a little bit last season because she wasn't really in last season all that much she was in a couple episodes and then sent to iceland and then reconnect at the very end of the season so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that there's more Kira this season. Me too. Because I love her. It's hard not to like love her. She's just so sweet. It's true. Even when she was being bratty, I still was on Kira's side. <laughs> I mean, she's the most justifiable, I, I feel like. Her her brattiness would be most justified. Yeah. Absolutely. One, she's a kid. <laughs> and it too, the stuff has not gone Kira's way, generally. No. No, she gets she gets left out of the loop a lot, poor Kira. But speaking of generally Sarah having kind of stressful relationships with people in this episode, there was also that really tense exchange between her and Allison after Art had called Sarah about, is Allison a drug dealer? FYI, that'd be nice if I knew that. <laughs> but, you know, the problem is that he does know it now, so. Yeah, yeah. He had plausible deniability before. Fair. Fair. But I, for me, I don't think it's surprising that there would be tension developing between Sarah and Allison because they have such different personalities. 
Right. I mean, this is another thing we talked about a lot before, because that was one of the initial big conflicts is Allison and Sarah were just not going to get along. <laughs> right. And then they did for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. And not really surprising that it wasn't going to last. Again, I think the problem here, though, mostly is that poor Sarah is just worn down at this point, you know? Yeah. Sarah's not in a good place, and I, I feel like that, as much as anything, is causing a lot of problems. Yeah. Last week, you know, she was kind of nudging Allison, kind of yelling at her a little bit to, like, pull her weight. Not cool, and Sarah. No, not cool. But at the same time, like, I can see where Sarah is coming from, because I think in a lot of ways, Allison has really been left out of a lot of the things that Sarah and Helena and even Kasima have had to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I think partially that's because of Sarah and Kasima's choice. Like, oh, I don't know that Allison could kind of handle this. <laughs> <laughs> and it got me wondering this week if Sarah knows what Allison did digging up Leaky to help her. That's true. I don't know. Because, I mean, clearly Kasima communicated with her about the their findings after they examined that maggot bot inside of Leaky's head. But I don't know that Sarah knows that the information came from Allison's actions. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, also, I, as far as Allison not pulling her weight, I mean, it is that Sarah and Kasima kind of leave Allison out of the loop, but I think also it's just a matter of their circumstances, right? This is something that they established early on. Allison was the one who had the family, and I think Beth and Kasima were deliberately, to some extent, leaving her out of it for the sake of her family. And also, Allison even specifically says that her contribution was financial. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the way she presented it was sort of like, that was the only thing she felt like she could contribute. So, right, you know, although we really have seen Allison engage in a way that she hasn't necessarily before with their acting tour de force in last week's episode, the acting and then not acting. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Also, I said her name was Julie or Julia and it was not, it was like Portia. I couldn't remember what her name was, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Portia. I can confirm. So let's dig into this piece of the storyline this week that involved Kasima and Donnie and then ultimately Crystal all converging at the Brightborn orientation. And I, again, I love these interesting pairings that we're getting this season. I thought Kasima and Donnie made a fun made a fun pairing. And then getting Donnie and Crystal? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you mean Ronnie? <laughs> Ronnie and Crystal, excuse me, Ronnie is really excellent. <laughs> They're really excellent undercover names. <laughs> oh, Ronnie! So I gotta say, when they when they showed Donnie like presenting himself, like ready to infiltrate the Brightborn orientation, like all dressed up in a suit, I was like, "Ooh, Donnie looks good." And I was a little mad at Kasima at first for making him change out of the sexy suit, I, even though ultimately I realized that it was helpful when he had to pretend to be a masseuse. Mm-hmm. However, I will forgive Kasima because she wore her hair up in a bun, and you know how much I love it when she wears her hair up in a bun, and she looked lovely. I liked her dress a lot. <laughs> Stephanie is judging everybody's sartorial choices. <laughs> 
Speaking of, I was impressed with Crystal's dress. Now that was a dress. <laughs> like, if I was going undercover, I don't know if I would have dressed the way that Crystal chose. <laughs> but you notice, like, I don't think we've ever seen Crystal in something that basically just could not possibly be any tighter. <laughs> I know, I know. And I feel like, I don't know, it's like Crystal got a memo that, you know, hey, Cosima wears a, a tight-fitting dress really well. And she's like, oh, really? I will show you a clone who looks good in a tight-fitting dress. <laughs> Hers might be tight, but mine is tighter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. But again, we got a moment in the storyline with, with Kasima and Donnie before Crystal entered the picture, right before Crystal <laughs> entered the picture, where, you know, we, we're seeing like this, I think, kind of soft spot that Donnie has for, for babies and maybe some, a little bit of like wistfulness about he and Allison not being able to conceive. Right. Oh, that was such a touching scene. I mean, it's not surprising to me that Donnie would do well with babies. You know what I mean? Right. He seems very... He is essentially a big baby. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's been very good with his own children and, you know, but it's just, it was, it was very cute to see him holding the baby and mm -hmm. also good to see his reaction to seeing a clone in the wild, <laughs> like a new clone in the wild for the first time. I know. I was watching it with my partner, and Susan was like, oh my gosh, he, he thinks she's Cosima. Like, no, 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 no. He knows. <laughs> that is not Cosima. <laughs> uh, I'd be concerned for Donnie if Donnie thought that Crystal was Cosima. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, but Donnie was, when, she, when he was trying to pretend to be Ronnie, just so bad at undercover. I guess he's lucky she didn't recognize him from before, and he wasn't, she wasn't like, weren't you the guy holding the baby? <laughs> well... It's not unreasonable to think that maybe one of the employees would be hanging out elsewhere in the building. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although as soon as he was looking at her like that and re responded that way, the, the doctor, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, was sitting right across Bosh. from Donnie. And I'm just kind of like, does that guy, was he picking up on this? I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm worried. You talking about Dr. Bosch? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Also, Dr. Bosch works at LifeSpring, where Beth had apparently gone, which is why mm -hmm. Allison did go, didn't go in. But then they sent Cosima in here. Yeah, I was curious about that, too, because Allison even made a point, like, I can't go in, in there because of Beth. And then she was planning to go into Brightborn. Mm -hmm. But then Cosima took over. It, it didn't make sense to me, but... I don't know. The only thing I could think is that maybe they thought... They wouldn't have direct contact with Dr. Bosch, but yeah, I, I was curious about that decision, too. Also, I didn't mention it last week because I didn't really notice it until after we recorded. The Brightborn logo mm -hmm. is the logo that was on the key card that we saw Beth with oh. the night she commits suicide. When mm. she puts the wig on and leaves with the key card, it's a Brightborn key card. Good eye, Chris. Thank you. I get there eventually. <laughs> I'm I'm bummed. I really haven't had the opportunity to rewatch episodes of the season, but I guess I should think of it as like I'm going to have a real treat ahead of me when I rewatch the whole thing at the end of of season 4. I'm such an obsessive nerd that I've watched I think every episode at least twice, usually about 3 times a week. <laughs> if I had the time, I would. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. 
So it was a little bit exciting. We got a Delphine reference this episode. I know we saw her picture last week. And then there was the Delphine episode this week. The Delphine reference, excuse me, this week. <laughs> the Delphine episode? I'm hopeful. That's my hopeful mouth talking. <laughs> like, what did, what did I sleep through? <laughs> but when when Donnie was just like, you mean Dr. Cormier? I was like, Donnie, you are terrible at undercover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to protect you, or I'm here to help you, Crystal. How do you know my name? <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess Crystal, speaking of the, the moves that she then pulled on Donnie, I guess she also got the memo that like, oh, people like Allison when she's in her workout wear, I'll show you a clone who looks good in workout wear. <laughs> <laughs> With very, very short shorts, I must say. <laughs> I know. She turned around. It's like, I can see the bottom of your bum. Tatiana I can Masani. see the bottom of your bum. Yeah. <laughs> Which really, I mean, we've seen her bum period on the show, I know, so but it was mostly covered at least this time. <laughs> she was probably okay with it. It's <laughs> just like, whoa, Crystal. <laughs> also, since we're talking about Crystal, did you notice like a tendency towards the uh, what did they call it the the duck lips? <laughs> mm. Is that not what they call it? Uh, I think that might be what they call it. Yes, <laughs> the youth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I noticed her just doing that a few times i don't know it amused me for some reason it was really fun to have crystal back this week i gotta say i was very happy to see her return Mm -hmm. now they just gotta bring tony back and i'll be super happy yes i'm actually going to use this moment as a segue because we got an email from maddie saying hudson motors was one connection i saw on the flowchart allison made perhaps that could be connected to tony and his monitor would be a good way to tie him back to the story. Surely he has to come back at some point since we have Crystal again. I am all for Tony coming back. They left the door wide open for him to come back. And it would seem a shame to, you know, spend an entire episode introducing a clone and not have him come back at all. It's been nearly two years. Mm-hmm. We want Tony. We want Tony. And Crystal, like, she's just so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and and but I felt so sorry for her because she ended up becoming like clone decoy again. Though luckily, like Casima did not do it purposefully the way that Rachel did, and she didn't have to get like you know knocked out for a time period. <laughs> no, it was like full on comedy of errors stuff. Yes, it was, which was it great. Was. <laughs> it was, and I was impressed that Susan Duncan could identify the clones by sight. I'm not surprised. Although it seems like she had to talk to Kasima to figure out that it was Kasima. Or maybe it was just a matter of confirmation of what she already thought. I don't know. Well, that's true. But she could just look at Crystal and be like, that's so-and-so. She even knew her last name. You know, she's somewhat aware of some things, but completely harmless. Like, we just need to let her go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Crystal did say something about, uh, I'm a beauty professional. Was that? I forget exactly what she said, but... But you, th- you think she gave some clues to help Susan Duncan identify her? She did, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was talking about she was a beauty professional. She just wanted to see what the cosmetics were like that she stole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> professional curiosity or something like that, I think she said. Mm-hmm. So it was great to see her again. Lots of fun. <laughs> She's a clone that's like, I don't know that they need to bring her back regularly. But when she appears, she's always a lot of fun for me. I agree. Yeah. Her and her duck lips. 
Well, and she is one character that I can't really wrap my head around the fact that that's the same actress playing her and Kasima and Allison and <laughs> Sarah. Like, she's just so different. There are moments that she really seemed very Allison-like to me, though. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, it happens and then you're kind of like, this almost doesn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense at the same time. Yeah. Such is the magic. Kasima had a little bit of a cameo in sort of a more fun Donnie and Crystal storyline. She ultimately had a very serious, consequential storyline in this episode. Like, I was happy at the beginning that, oh, yay, Kasima's getting out of her science basement and doing some stuff. But like, oh, Kasima, by the end of this episode, it was it was a real heartbreaker for her, I think. Yeah. The whole storyline, basically, as soon as she leaves Donnie, was so utterly stressful. Mm-hmm. Because she goes and she's sort of... She's sort of running from the official people at Brightborn just so she can snoop around. And she ends up in that observation area off of a room of, I guess, more of the... What were they calling them? Carriers? Yes. Which has unnerving implications also. And we should also mention that Trina said to Allison in the last episode that she was a carrier. Yes, that was mm -hmm. what I was referencing there, yes. Mm -hmm. But that was reminiscent of, for me, reminiscent of Amelia, mm. Helena and Sarah's birth mother. So I don't know if that's what's going on, but part of me feels like it probably is. Thoughts? I was unclear as to what all was going on with the carriers. I, and I wanted to actually get your input about it because, you know, clearly Cosima sees the baby be born with some really, really just horrible birth defects. And so they're clearly, I think, kind of trying out what gene does what, like, how can we eliminate these anomalies that cause problems? But I wasn't entirely clear on what the carrier's role were like because it did seem when we saw Portia last week that she was carrying her own baby because it did seem for a minute like do they maybe have the carriers carry all the babies and then they just kind of give the perfect ones away to the to the parents and they think it's like their child or i was but i was a little confused as to what all was going on with those women my current theory because Cosimo was reading the fine print on the documents mm-hmm and there's the thing about the embryos, yeah. Exactly. And how, you know, so do I get those back? And Susan Duncan was like, you can't own them. Mm -hmm. They're ours. <laughs> but it was like after a certain time period, I think, if they didn't ask for the embryos back, then they became donated for research, essentially. Anyway, I'm thinking that's what is going on, is basically they're... They're using those embryos. Right. They're, they're actually doing... The one fertility thing and, you know, following through with IVF or whatever it is they're doing, but also basically using that as a source for embryos is my guess. Which makes sense. But as soon as they ended up at an IVF clinic last week, y you know, you immediately go to like, uh, this is how they implanted all the Lita clones into unknowing surrogate mothers, you know, out in the wild. But... but 
I still would like a little more information on the the carrier situation and what all they're doing there. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get more, but I was a little unclear after this one episode. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, we don't know what's going on with the, the current Lita project either, since Charlotte mm-hmm. seems to be the only successful one since the batch of Tatiana Maslany's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How else do you distinguish? I'm just saying. No, no, the, that's... That's good. Okay. The T-Moss patch. Yes. So that Kasima storyline, it leads up to what I thought was just a really intense, interesting scene between Kasima and Evie Cho and Susan Duncan, where Kasima is confronting Susan about using these carriers and, you know, doing these types of, of experiments and, you know, really getting into a lot of the bioethical questions I think that Orphan Black raises. Yeah. And that whole thing about, you know, I didn't give my consent for any of this. And and Susan's come back that you can't consent to being born. Mm-hmm. <sighs> because she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. You know. And that, like that, I, I mean, obviously, they weren't going there. But that in my head, like, got me started starting thinking about, like, abortion and the conversations around around access to abortion and and women having the right to choose that option i don't it it was just a really heavy line for me like no one gives permission to be born like ugh, it just made me think a lot darn it show stop stop it (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to go elsewhere for one of those shows (laughs) but susan follows up that that statement, no one gives permission to be born. She says, I created you as a beautiful baseline to unlock the mysteries of the human genome. And then Kasima replies, we're your oncomice. And I had to look up what that meant. (laughs) As did I. (laughs) So if you haven't looked it up yet, what she was referring to is the oncomouse or the Harvard mouse. It's a type of laboratory mouse that has been genetically modified. It carries a specific gene, which is called an activated oncogene. And it increases the mouse's susceptibility to cancer. So it makes the mice more suitable for cancer research. So that was what Kasima was talking about. Unnerving. Yes, very much so. And I think ultimately that conversation, it leads to Susan Duncan making Kasima an offer that I think is very difficult for her to refuse. Because as we did see in, at the beginning of this season, you know, Kasima's no longer a dyad. She no longer has access to resources and equipment that she needs in order to work on a cure for herself, she's kind of all alone now with Scott, you know, in the basement of a comic book store. Mm-hmm. So what is she going to do? And and that's the dilemma, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's got me wondering if the Lita clones having to basically make a bunch of deals with the devil is going to be recurring throughout the season, you know, because we had Sarah have to team up with Ferdinand again at the beginning of the season, toward the beginning of the season because of the maggot bot. And now do we have potentially Kasima being willing to team up with Susan Duncan because of her concerns about her health? I am very curious what Kasima is going to decide to do. Because she seems to feel so strongly about the one position when they start that, you know, this morally is wrong. Mm-hmm. But... You know, Susan's not wrong in saying that essentially you need this if you want to live. So, you know, I I guess that's the issue now, right? Is do you survive at the risk of 
affecting other people's lives. And this is a similar choice that we see Rachel making about Charlotte in the last episode, right? Correct. Yeah. Because ultimately, Rachel tells Susan, Charlotte's data, if we just don't intervene and let her disease carry through to its conclusion, that's more valuable than her life. Like, that is actually for the greater good to let this one clone go through the disease and potentially die. Like, is Kasima going to make the same choices? Or for her, like, what becomes the greater good? Is it going to be a greater good that she gives Susan access to Kendall's genome so that she can come up with a cure that could potentially cure all the Lita clones? Or... But could also do any number of other things. Exactly. Do any number of other harms. Or does she refuse to give the genome out of the greater good of protecting potentially other Lita clones from being created and other things that they might do with, with Kendall's genome. I guess that's the big issue for me is Susan Duncan is in no way trustworthy. Oh God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly not. (laughs) Hence the more difficult decision because she very well could cure Kasima, I think, you know, Mm. Since it was it was Susan's design that had caused the disease. Right. She seems to be the the clever one, or at least as Ethan Duncan was presenting it, Susan was the real genius. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust her as far as I could throw her. Nope. Which is not very far. <laughs> and I am super interested to see Kasima go through making this choice, deciding what to do, and ultimately seeing how it plays out. I think this is a really interesting moment for her, potentially. Mm-hmm. But I'm worried because it's like, if she chooses one way, am I am I going to lose respect for Kasima? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I guess that's good drama, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So to conclude our talk about our discussion about Susan Duncan... We have to, I guess, to. We have to. I can't even say it. We have to, I suppose, talk about that ending scene (laughs) between Susan and Ira, to which I can only say, creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they, like, really play up the creep factor, Mm -hmm. because, like, the music is all ominous and weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And And it's a pool with all the blue lighting. That's never good. Because here's the thing, like, objectively, it's not that weird, maybe? Maybe? I don't know. It depends, because the, I don't I don't have enough data to determine how freaked out I should be about this. Yeah, I mean, because I guess it's not like they're biologically related to our knowledge, but she essentially created this guy. Like, it's creepy. It is. It's like serious kind of god complex going on on Susan Duncan's part. But we knew that already. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> But still, creepy. This is like the creepiest iteration of such a thing for me, at least so far. I'm I'm thinking, like, I'm seriously... (laughs) (laughs) Henrik is pretty bad. Well, I meant for Susan. This is the creepiest iteration of her her god complex. No, Henrik was... Yeah, he's on a whole other level thus far. (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm just like, in the context of the show, it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Henrik was like, here, daughter, let me implant you with an embryo that My I fertilized seed. myself. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. see? Ugh. Context. <laughs> now it doesn't seem so bad, right? Fair. 
But yeah, I mean, like, uh, there are things we don't know. Because if she raised Ira, then it's worse. And it's yes, gross that's and way worse. no show. However, we I think we also saw that Rudy had a bit of, like, a mama's boy complex. So maybe this is in keeping with tendencies of caster clones. Hmm. Hmm. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Quick, let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk briefly about Evie Cho. She reappeared in this episode... And, well, I guess she was in last week in the video, but we see her in the flesh in this episode, and we get a little bit of her background, or at least how she's selling her background. I'm going to assume she's being honest <laughs> about growing up with an immune deficiency, SCID specifically, which I was kind of like, I think maybe we're supposed to assume that that's maybe how she got connected with dyad and the neolutionist was from that experimental gene therapy trial she went through mm -hmm. yeah i you got the same i guess impression? i mean it seems logical mm -hmm. but the big kind of like ding 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 that went off for me in this episode was the scar on her cheek mm -hmm. what's up with that, that was not there that was not there previously yeah nina did mention in an email that the scar wasn't there before mm -hmm. and that perhaps it was Beth that gave her that scar? Yeah, that's that's my big thought. Because again, she, like you said, she had the Brightborn tag. She went off somewhere and came back bloodied. Yep. And if so, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. To leave that attractive little X on her cheek. <laughs> it was like, it's a very distinctive scar, which is part of the reason I'm kind of like, would it have been from a fight? Because it seems really specific, so. It does. It seems like she got hit with something or stabbed with something. Yeah. The mysteries of Orphan Black. Art also got a little bit of a storyline this episode. We see Duco confronting him about Allison and the fact that, yeah, Art, she looks a bit like Beth. Just say it. Just say it. Like, yeah, that's weird. But you know what they say. We all have a twin out there. Don't try to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> Bad move. <laughs> Well, and I'm just kind of like, how much does Duco know? Is Duco mm -hmm. like rubbing it in Art's face? I know that you know something. I mm -hmm. and he says something to Art about worry about your real family, and so alarm bells in my head. But I don't know to what extent. I don't know mm -hmm. who knows what, and I'm I'm worried about Art. I'm I, in a way though. I, I am glad to see. Allison's secrets kind of coming tumbling out a little bit like mm -hmm. not that I want necessarily Allison and Donnie to go to jail even though they have done some things that are worthy of going to jail for right but you know I, in a way I'm glad that they're not just being swept under the rug anymore and there's kind of maybe an idea that there could be some consequences to them I, I'm glad that that's coming up as a possibility right and this goes back to what you were saying before is maybe the writers of the show have been listening to fandom because this is this is a frequent, not really complaint, but a frequent issue with fandom is that Donnie and Allison very often seem sort of too over in their own storyline from the rest of mm -hmm. Clone Club. And so they're bringing it back in a major way. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's good, but also I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That That should be another, just attributed to all of Clone Club. So it's good, but I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm intrigued or excited by the storyline, but I'm worried. Yeah, exactly. 
Speaking of, Helena left Allison and Donnie's, therefore worried. Um, yep. <laughs> but Sarah learned about that fact this this episode, and I'm curious to see if she will go after her or not, given what all Sarah has going on in her life. Well, and it's been long enough. Where would Sarah even start? Yeah, exactly. Although, I mean, Helena did Helena send her took- the text message. Yeah. So maybe she could have Art run the cell phone info? I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or if she could manage to rustle up MK again, which I hope happens. Come back, MK. I, you know, MK could maybe help. But yeah, Mm -hmm. by then, it'd probably be even longer since Helena sent the text and how good would that information be still? Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm so distressed that Helena's out there on her own with Allison's camping gear. I mean, at least she has Allison's camping gear, but where will she go? I know. I was so sad to see that in the last episode. I mean, like, I don't think Donnie did anything wrong, but at the same time, it's like, Donnie, ah, why did you not think about possible consequences? (laughs) At least keep a better eye on her. Come on, man. Yes. And then I also got worried because Allison and Donnie weren't home at the time. Mm -hmm. Where are Allison's kids? Because Helena seems to have been babysitter. Maybe they were at school, but see, I just, I worry. That's a good point. What about Oscar and Gemma? Who's going to look after them? If they still are alive, we haven't seen them this season, actually. Again, I think the actors have maybe gotten a little too big (laughs) for their timeline. Didn't we see Gemma in the background, I thought? We might have seen Gemma in the background, but I don't think she's had like a scene where she's talking and foregrounded the way that we have in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. And and tangentially speaking of Allison, I mean, did you see that flowchart they were looking at, at the beginning of the episode? I did. It was so Allison, I could not believe it. I know. She clearly, like, fired a PowerPoint or something and just, like, quickly dashed off that. <laughs> Broke out the clip art. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe she made it last week when she was preparing those thick case file research documents for Donnie and and Felix. <laughs> yeah. It was probably a matter of like, well, I'm I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well do another. So like I mentioned at the top of the episode, I I've really been enjoying this season and I'm liking a lot of the choices that the writers are making, but there's a, a couple of things that I'm kind of going like, hmm, about. And and first of all is that Are they blonde? We- <laughs> Well, I guess one of them is, yes. So, you know, clearly, we've got a lot of people sitting around thinking, where's Delphine? You know, we've got a mentions of her. We saw a picture of her last episode. But still, you know, we're halfway through the season and still no confirmation either way, whether she's dead or alive or what might have happened to her. In a way, I'm not surprised they are drawing it out, but I'm a little surprised they've been drawing it out this long. Yes and no. I don't know. I don't think she's dead, Stephanie. <laughs> I don't either, which again, it, which just makes me more puzzled because I don't think she's dead. And yet we still haven't seen any hide nor hair of her, especially her hair. Where's her hair? <laughs> <laughs> it's wherever they film X Company. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is like in East Euro- Eastern Europe, maybe? <laughs> I think so, yeah. But I guess the other blonde person I'm curious about is the fact that we haven't seen or heard anything else about Shay this season either, which in a way I'm not surprised about because 
she clearly had a very scary run-in in Delph- with Delphine, so I could understand if, if I were Shay, I would be like, I like you, Kasima, however, no thank you. Uh, but, you know, there was that kind of tag to the end of her storyline last season where Delphine went to her and talked to her and said, you know, here's the card, give it to Kasima, tell her, I told her she could tell you everything if she wanted to. Right. And I mean, to be fair, that was an important moment for Delphine, obviously, uh, but it also really left the door open for Shay to return, and she hasn't as yet. Right. Because to me, that felt like such a specific setup for the next season that it's surprising that it hasn't even been mentioned, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm like, yes, where is Delphine? But also, at least Delphine has been mentioned. <laughs> but Yeah, exactly. Do they not care about Shay? Mm-hmm. Apparently not. <laughs> well, and especially since they... We're setting her up to be a shady character last season, too. Like, you know, the reveal that she was in the military and all that thing, all that stuff. And I mean, granted, that that could have just run its course in season three with Delphine being suspicious. And then ultimately, her suspicions were not valid. However, it, it again, it just felt like they were setting up something really specific for season four. And yet, no mention of shade yet. Mm-hmm. Because Ksenia Solo was filming Turn. But anyway... <laughs> Well, that might be part of it, because I'm trying to think, in season three, she didn't show up until episode five, I believe. So it could be, scheduling-wise, end of the season works better for her to show up on Orphan Black. (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those things I want them both to come back, but I'm I'm not holding my breath. I'm trying to keep my expectations low. Yeah, me too. And it's fine, because I am enjoying the rest of the season, so. I am too. It's just I'd enjoy it more. (laughs) But I do want to know, at some point, one or the other, is Delphine dead? (laughs) Just at some point, please, let me know. (laughs) We need closure. (sighs) Also, just another thing. Another, like, where are they? Where the hell is Mark? Yeah, it seems odd that they have Ira, excuse me, Ari, around to play Ira. (laughs) (laughs) The name is the same for, anyway, you know what I mean. They have Ari around playing Ira, but we have nothing on Mark, which honestly, from last season, like, he was the only caster that I kind of wanted to, well, I guess the rest were dead. I was going to say, but- he was the only one left, <laughs> Stephanie. Alive. <laughs> but I had gotten a little bit invested in his storyline and, like, his his future with Gracie and all of that, so I wouldn't mind a little follow-up on him. Is he still alive? How's he doing? <laughs> yep. Maybe once they... Unlock the secrets of the clone disease. They'll they'll find him and help him. I'm hoping. Just in terms of, of feedback about the last episode, we got three separate messages. To be fair, I think it was only two people, but we got messages. People really, really wanted us to know that Corn Cobb was also Ferdinand and Rachel's safe word. Like it was very important to them that we that we know. Message received, folks. Thank you. <laughs> Since I wasn't here last week, can I just can I just say how much I loved well, two things. <laughs> I loved Kasima's line, well, yep, that's the head of Daya. <laughs> you would. Made me laugh so hard. And then subsequently, related to the head of Diane, I, I enjoyed the <laughs> the Donnie Allison Air Italia phone sex. <laughs> which then transitioned to a white gooey substance being pulled out of the head of Diane. 
the, what, well, I should say the tumor that came out of the head of Diet. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was so delightful to me, which I know probably makes me a gross person, but I, I got to give it a shout out. Oh dear. We did mention that last week, but we were, we were a little more grossed out than you, I think. <laughs> That seems to be like, I think I have a higher tolerance for gross stuff than you and Annie do sometimes. Especially Annie. <laughs> Especially Annie. That's true. That's true. I was like laughing and grossed out. It was a, it was a haha that transitioned right into an ew. <laughs> ew. But also still laughing a little. Hey, you know what, Chris? You know what I haven't been able to say for like several weeks now? Uh, no. Bifurcated penis. Why haven't I been able to say bifurcated penis again? <laughs> uh, have you had much cause to? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I'm disappointed. <laughs> oh. Bifurcated dick. Bifurcated penis. They're just fun to say. I just, I, I'm bummed I haven't had a chance to use them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, nobody's stopping you. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> And in this episode, the lack of bifurcated dick was played by Tatiana Mislini. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Please send us your thoughts about this episode of Orphan Black, as well as about our thoughts. We'd love to hear them. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 104. You can send an email to feedback at drinks at the doll. Nope. <laughs> feedback at Tatiana is everyone.com. I knew I would do that at some point. <laughs> it's a little surprising it doesn't happen more often. It's really true. You can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us, or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. We are on Twitter at TIE Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. Tatiana is Everyone is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. We have other podcasts for shows including Killjoys and Lost Girl and our new podcast, Phanalysis, which is currently covering Winona Earp and The Hundred. All of those could be found at AskGenreTV.com. And in this episode, Duck Lips were played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. can't talk today. <laughs> Why recording day, me? <laughs> this is a bit... Th ah, still...